0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. good
1: evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope y'all are having an amazing fan tabulous start to your day or end of your day or middle of your day or however and whenever it is that you may be listening make sure to follow leave those five star reviews doesn't have to be a nice review as long as it's a five star review help us break those algorithms if you're checking us out here and you are not coming from instagram make sure to follow Comical Sports Memes and Take It Easy podcast on our way to 50K. We hit 49,000 yesterday, so shout out to everyone who has stopped in here too. Uh, We've got that platform as well. I'm sure most of you found us from there, but if you haven't, make sure to give us a follow on social media. I haven't mentioned that really in a while, but thought I'd show it out. Thought I'd plug the social media here today. Uh, That was not a great way to start. Anyways, House of Phoenix Suns. Y'all know him. He's also on Instagram. You should follow him while you're following Comical Sports Memes and Take It Easy podcast. He's going to join us here today and talk about his Phoenix Suns putting the sweep on the Denver Nuggets. And we talked a little bit about that series on Wired Up 77 back on Sunday. So we've covered some ground there. We'll cover more ground uh, like the departure of Aaron Gordon and Jokic hitting campaign in the face and getting ejected and Will Barton showing up and Chris Paul hitting 10 consecutive shots for the first time in his career, having 35 points, which is the highest scoring game for Chris Paul in three seasons, playoffs and regular season included. That man had a clutch gene and he was ready to go get that sweep and take potentially nine days off before the next series against the Utah Jazz or the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. So House of Phoenix Suns going to bask in that victory coming up later on. What I wanted to talk about first is, without a doubt, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, the NBA Finals. And anytime we mention this and the fact that... Uh, so for, So for those who don't know... I am hitching my wagon to Giannis for the next 10 years. Giannis is the next LeBron James. He's going to be the player of my generation as I come of age here in this industry. So I'm going to hitch my wagon to Giannis and ride that Giannis wave in the take game as far as I can. And things weren't looking great out the bat. Milwaukee shot 24% as a team in the first three games. Uh, Brooklyn's offense was humming. Blake Griffin was hitting a bunch of three-pointers and having 20 and 10 games. Joe Harris, white boy Joe Harris, as we like to call him here, has been awesome. Uh, their offense is fun, high-paced. They scored a couple 120-point games. And then, Milwaukee won a game where they shot 20% from the three-point line because the Brooklyn Nets shot about 25% from the three-point line. It was like 86-84. They were losing most of the way. Brooklyn was about to go up 3-0 before Drew Holiday had a spinning layup. It was an awesome game. It got the Bucks back in the series, and it helped Vegas win and lose a lot of money at the same time because they were betting heavy on everyone taking Brooklyn, both money line and against the spread. And Brooklyn did lose the game, but they did cover the spread. So it was a win and a loss for Vegas. Vegas was also betting big numbers on the Denver Nuggets and they took that L yesterday in game four after Jokic got ejected and the Nuggets took that sweep from the Phoenix Suns who miraculously went from maybe we'll win 25 games just like 18 months ago to now being a coaster to the Western Conference Finals and our buddy Cam over on the DSD pod saying that Phoenix is going to win the Western Conference regardless of who makes it between the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Clippers. I disagree on that, but it's still going to be a fun series to watch whenever it comes around and Phoenix is going to get that long off day. A point I was talking about before that was about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Milwaukee Bucks go from 2-1 in the series. They're potentially about to go down 3-0. They were down four points with about... No, they were down three points with a minute left. Kevin Durant hit a three-pointer in a tie game in game three to put them up three. So the nets were up three with one minute to go. And Milwaukee ends up coming back to win that game. They scored the last six points of the game. And Bruce Brown tried to hit a game winner and Kevin Durant almost banged home a three pointer to send it to overtime, but it hit rim. It missed by about a third of an inch. You can't see it on the podcast, but about a third of an inch, hold your fingers up. Like you would say something small. It's about a third of an inch. Brooklyn was that close to sending it to overtime and potentially going up 3 0. And then everything changed because now Kyrie Irving looks like he's got a high ankle sprain that is going to put him out for a good portion of this series. The report from Rachel Nichols coming out of the game is that Kyrie Irving is in a walking boot and crutches leaving the arena in Brooklyn. Similar type of ankle sprain to what LeBron James went through. Was it this? Yeah, LeBron had the ankle sprain this year. So similar type injury to that is what it looks like. Even if Kyrie Irving tries to play, it feels like a bad idea, like what happened to Anthony Davis. Uh, James Harden, Brian Windhorst, and the Hoop Collective talked about this on Friday. I think it's just Brian Windhorst. I think the podcast is called Brian Windhorst and the Hoop Collective that... Nobody knows anything about James Harden's injury because they are really keeping that secret over in Brooklyn. So we have no idea what's going on with James Harden. Kyrie Irving's now in a walking boot and crutches. And without one, they could keep up the fast-paced offense. But without two, was virtually game over for Brooklyn. Not in the series. I think that two out of three games now, because the Brooklyn-Milwaukee series is tied 2-2, I think that any two out of three series, anyone can win any of those games, no matter how shorthanded Brooklyn is, and especially because Kevin Durant has been the leading scorer in the playoffs. But without two of them, that offense totally changes. And the fact that you don't play good defense starts to catch up because this is something that was talked about all throughout the season when we overanalyzed the Brooklyn Big Three and then only got 43 seconds of it in the postseason of meaningful postseason. They played the whole Boston series, but we got 43 seconds of Brooklyn big three after a hundred hours of analysis and five months of that being the main talking point in the NBA and hating on super teams. We got 43 seconds of the Brooklyn Nets super team in playoff action, which is really what all of this industry is really dumb for. If we don't, If we continue to take ourselves super seriously and analyze this with way too much intent, uh, we can get bogged down in hundreds of hours of our lives talking about this Brooklyn Nets team over and over and over again when we ultimately only got 43 seconds of them in the playoffs. Which is why, here on the Take It Easy podcast, we like to mix in some of the serious with the fun like talking about the Milwaukee Bucks and the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo shouldn't have signed that extension, but also the fact that that shooting team was really struggling to build around him and they had to go into ISO ball because they were shooting 24% from the three-point line in the first three games of the series. But also we like to mix it in with this parody song of Bleep You by CeeLo Green done to the tune of Giannis Antetokounmpo singing the song.
0: You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms And I'm like, fuck you I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew Said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer But have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat gon' get swept I wish Jimmy the best, tell him Fuck you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, I'm sorry about 19 and 20, but that don't mean I can't get you there. Cause I'm 26, I got two MVPs, the way I play the game ain't fair. I pity the he, he, he for not getting James Harden, should have traded Color Hero. I got locked by Bam, out of my, yo, I got some news for you. Bryn Forbes hit six threes in game two. You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms. I'm like, fuck you. I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer. But have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat not get swept, I wish Jimmy the best. Tell him fuck you.
1: And so we can take that song, laugh at it a little bit, and then point to the realities of the situation. That one, Giannis can't make a three pointer. He shot 20% in Game Four, even though the Bucks ended up winning, and he had 34 and 12 in the game. But have you seen Chris Middleton? Because Chris Middleton made three three-pointers, which would match his total for the entire series in game four. Only scored 19 points. Like, it wasn't a huge game for Chris Middleton. He didn't take as many shots as he normally would as a volume shooter. And the Bucks were better from the three-point line. They shot 35%, which was below their season average as a team. But compared to the fact they were shooting 24% from the three-point line in the first three games of the series... You know, this was a pretty nice improvement for the Milwaukee Bucks, and it wasn't any, like, supernova game either. It was Drew Holiday hitting two three-pointers, Brooke Lopez hitting two three-pointers, P.J. Tucker, who had hit only one three-pointer in the entire series, he was one for 11 from the three-point line, hit three threes on six attempts, mostly every single one from the corner. Pat Connaughton hit two three-pointers, Bryn Forbes hit two three-pointers, they got 18 bench points, and ultimately, Each of those little accumulations was the difference in a game where Brooklyn had their guys scoring. Kevin Durant had 28. Um, Jeff Green had eight. Joe Harris had eight. Wow, this is actually, I'm going through this. This is pretty bad. Kyrie had 11 before he left the game. Yeah, actually, now I'm looking through this. It's kind of bad. (laughs) It's kind of a bad performance from Brooklyn outside of Kevin Durant. But uh, to the point, the difference in the game was 11 points. And where do those 11 points come from? It comes from P.J. Tucker hitting two more threes than he would on average. Comes from Bryn Forbes hitting an extra three than he would on average. Pat Connaughton hitting two three-pointers on five attempts. And you can make up for the fact that your team is only basically at this point, what? The the Brooklyn Nets, a little bit strong. I mean, Nets go deeper now that they're losing people. But are you looking at Milwaukee right now? Milwaukee's basically seven deep at this point. They had, and finally, finally, we talked about this on Sunday. In fact, I can find the clip for you real quick here of what we talked about on Sunday about the Milwaukee Bucks compared to the Utah Jazz and the fact that they needed to go to a seven deep lineup. George Niang gets about nine minutes when Donovan Mitchell needs a break. It's it's a remarkable offense that the the Utah Jazz run where they kind of alternate, alternate, and Bogdanovich gets a lot of minutes. And it's the the offense that the Milwaukee Bucks should be running. The Milwaukee Bucks should be getting to a point with their offense where Giannis is going to play 40 minutes, Middleton's going to play 40 minutes, Drew Holiday's going to play close to 40 minutes, and they should go to the eight-man rotation with their starting five being those three, Brooke Lopez and P.J. Tucker. As well as having Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton come off the bench, and everyone else can go pound sand, and then have, you know, those three-point barrages that help supplement the victory. Whether it's Bryn Forbes hitting a bunch of threes, or if it's PJ Tucker hitting some three-pointers, that's just the way that you supplement the offense if you're Milwaukee, and they haven't quite gotten to that point yet. But Game Three was a step in the right direction and to be. And then shocker of the century, that's exactly what the Milwaukee Bucks do. And guess what? The Milwaukee Bucks end up winning game four. And the difference in game four between their outputs in games two and three and games four? A couple three-pointers by P.J. Tucker that he wasn't hitting in the first couple games. An extra three-pointer from Pat Connaughton and an extra three-pointer from Bobby Port. I'm sorry, uh, Bryn Forbes and telling everyone else on that team to go pound sand. And you can come in and play the last four minutes when the game is already a blowout because the way we're going to win this, when we smell blood on the Kyrie Irving side, and sometimes, unfortunately, that's... I mean, I'm so mad that that's the situation we're in with Brooklyn right now. Yes, it's great that Giannis is advancing, but it's just so upsetting that Brooklyn has been the team that they've been. But for Milwaukee's standpoint... Chris Middleton, 41 minutes. Giannis, 38 minutes. Drew Holiday, 37 minutes. Brooke Lopez, 33 minutes. The adjustments Budenholzer has made with a job on the line has been impeccable. And by the way, let's just laugh at this for a little bit. Bucks fans that think like Nick Nurse is going to leave Toronto to go coach the Milwaukee Bucks, or Eric Spolstra is going to leave the Miami Heat to go coach the Milwaukee Bucks. Understand that job might not be as desirable as people realize because Giannis can still leave at any point he likes. And if they were going to lose this series, like they were literally about to, the Milwaukee Bucks were facing a real dilemma of how you can improve the roster because they only have they've used all their draft picks. They've used most of their young assets and they've got one all in move left and it's to trade either Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday for a player better than Chris Middleton or better than Drew Holiday. So they don't quite have all the all-in moves left at their disposal. They've just got one left, and it's to upgrade one of those superstars. And after that, they got to just tell Giannis, look, we gave $40 million to Drew Holiday, $38 million to Chris Middleton, and you're getting a super max. We just can't get anyone else with our salary cap situation without a trade. Uh, we're, we just are who we are at this point. And so the Milwaukee Bucks are... Anyway, so to this point, that, I, that was a little bit of a tangent. We did a podcast about this last Tuesday where we were almost eulogizing the Milwaukee Bucks, but now here the Milwaukee Bucks are back from down 2-0. No Kyrie Irving, no James Harden for the foreseeable future. And with a 2-2 series, Milwaukee can absolutely beat the Brooklyn Nets. There's just new life in this team, because as great as Kevin Durant is, Milwaukee's got a lot of dudes deep down that roster, whether it's Middleton, whether it's Drew Holiday, whether it's P.J. Tucker, They've got some dudes that can create their own shot supplement offense better now than what the Brooklyn Nets had. Neither of them were better than James Harden or Kyrie Irving, but they are definitely better than Mike James and Bruce Brown and sorry, white boy, Joe Harris, including white boy, Joe Harris. So here is the situation now for the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks have improved their offense for let's say the last two games and Budenholzer has made some adjustments in there and Milwaukee now finds themselves in a situation where two out of three games with the upper hand on the roster assuming Kyrie Irving and James Harden are both gone or at the very least not able to play at 70 to 80 percent going into the next couple games this is a fascinating situation for the Bucks because they've now changed the offense with the roster upper hand, but the same way I was talking about with the Milwaukee Bucks before, it seemed daunting for them to win four out of five games. But now that the series is 2-2, this goes back to the point I was saying after game one. I don't think this series is over at all. James Harden's injury changed the math, and Giannis is a super freak. I mentioned that, you know, in the song, he... If he were better, he could make a three pointer, but have you seen Chris Middleton? But the thing about it is, Giannis has gone 34 points, 12 rebound average across the last two playoffs, two seasons and playoffs. He's averaged 30 points and about 10 rebounds. He's had 34 and 12 yesterday, and Giannis has done all of that without the ability to shoot a consistent three-pointer. And so Giannis is just a dude where you can point to them and say get me a basket and he will get you a basket or you can say get me 30 points and he'll get you 40. There's only a handful of those players in the NBA and for last year I was talking about how if you have any of those four players you can win a championship. It's why I said only four teams could win a champ or three teams could win a championship because I threw James Harden in there but the Rockets didn't have the roster to win a championship it was LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then you throw in Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant was injured last year, and you throw in whatever's left of James Harden, but now James Harden is gone. And so all of the math is changing around the Brooklyn-Milwaukee series. And so this is the interesting dilemma that the Milwaukee Bucks find themselves in for the next few games, which is how do you supplement the offense necessary to make sure you don't let Brooklyn hang hang around because you have the roster advantage. We make fun of the Brooklyn Nets a lot for not being able to play defense, but Milwaukee was 22nd in the NBA in points allowed per game this year. So it's like the roles have been flipped now. Kevin Durant is one of those badass dudes where if you ask him to give give you a bucket, he will get you a bucket. And Kyrie Irving is like a step below that. And James Harden for the past couple of years was in that category. And now Brooklyn's got one of those guys and Milwaukee's got one of those guys. Kevin Durant and Giannis can kind of cancel each other out. If you ask them to give them 30, they'll give you 40. If you ask them to give you a bucket, they'll go get you a bucket. And when you cancel out James Harden and you cancel out Kyrie Irving, the rest of that roster for Brooklyn starts to look a whole lot barren. And that's where Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday like they did in game and PJ Tucker and Pat Connaughton and Bryn Forbes when they're hitting three-pointers like they did in game 4 changed the math around the entire series because Milwaukee was struggling with t- with a team shooting of 24% from the three-point line in the first 3 games of that series. They shot 35% yesterday and those four three-pointers were the difference in victory against Brooklyn without Kyrie Irving and James Harden and defeat that would have put them down three, one in a series that's now winnable because Kyrie Irving is hurt. So Milwaukee has a real opportunity for that game five, uh, not just because of Kyrie Irving going down, which does obviously change the math, but because they have some level of three point shooting and Budenholzer made the adjustments we talked about in on Saturday, on Sunday's episode of wired up episode 77, he made the adjustments went eight deep, And now the Milwaukee Bucks look to have a more clear, concerted vision for how this team is going to be to match up against the Brooklyn Nets who now don't have either of their two stars. Don't look like the offensive juggernaut. They once did and have struggled all year to play defense except for those two games in games one and two and three, or those three games in games one, two and three where the Milwaukee Bucks just could not shoot to save their lives. All right. Let's bask in the glory of the Phoenix Suns with our friend, House of Phoenix Suns. Hello? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? How are you doing right now?
2: man i i don't even know i can't i can't really describe it right now it's crazy it's crazy well,
1: so the la- the last time i talked to you was at was before game one like it was the day before game one and I, I i i had said that i guarantee the series will go seven
2: games yeah i remember that
1: and it was just i everything that i thought was a concern for the suns they just doubled down on my in- expectations Jokic had a 30-20-10 game, and they still – the Suns won by 14. Like, it was – I mean, it was it was everything falling apart for the Nuggets, but it also should have happened sooner because they didn't have Jamal Murray, and I, I, I can't even imagine it right now.
2: The defense was just incredible. It was some of the best defense I've ever seen us play. Like, anything at the rim was contested well. We didn't foul a lot on – on layups and whatnot they barely got any and ones it was just defensively was really what shocked me I was like wow this is incredible and then obviously tonight Chris Paul dropping 37 I think it was um yeah he hit 10 straight shots in the game which they said on the
1: broadcast it was the most he's ever hit consecutively in his career and it was his highest scoring game in three years
2: that's crazy that's nuts and like he's doing that at 36 years old which really the only person that I've seen do that like live on television is LeBron because like I think he's 36 right now um but yeah it's, it's just crazy I everyone in Phoenix in Arizona is loving it I I just never thought we'd be back in the Western Conference finals after like two years ago I think we're the worst team in the league so
1: not even that like 18 months ago we were talking about like hey maybe they're gonna win 30 games and then the bubble happened and we said we said after it happened like the Suns have arrived they're here now like this is the moment and it, it happened so much faster than even I could have anticipated it it was crazy to see that change for the Suns obviously you know me and you were both down on them when Anthony Davis came through came through with the uh the injury but They've won what seven straight games since then, all of them by double digits, except yeah. for
2: no, I like all that.
1: by double digits, I think. Yeah,
2: and um, that I saw something also on the like uh, game threes broadcast is that six was the most amount of games won in a row in the playoffs by the Suns ever. So now seven is the most ever consecutive games won in the playoffs for the Suns, which is, is awesome. <laughs> I, I, I'm just really loving everything that we're doing right now.
1: So here's the stats that I had seen around the Suns. And the thing that had concerned me the most was hey, they don't really have the size. Yes, Michael Bridges can stick on uh on Michael Porter Jr., but they, they don't really have the size to match up with the Denver Nuggets having, you know, their three best scorers being six eight and six nine and seven feet tall. And Aaron Gordon, after that game one where he scored 18 points, averaged six points a game for the next three games of the series. And Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. for the entire series scored 61 points, which is basically a 15-point-per-game average, which is less than what he was averaging when Jamal Murray was playing. When Jamal Murray was playing, he was averaging 18 a game. And then post-Jamal Murray, he was averaging like 23 points a game. He averaged 15 in the series.
2: Wow, that's just, and see, like, that's what I mean. It's like the defense was just crazy. We highlighted Monte Morris being um, one of their like X factors and being like their fourth option or whatnot, but he was their second best offensive weapon along with Will Barton, it seemed, because Michael Porter Jr. wasn't doing anything. Like you mentioned, Aaron Gordon wasn't doing anything. Other than Jokic, Monte Morris, and Will Barton, they didn't really have much going for them. And then Will Barton, isn't I mean you, you don't really think of oh yeah, Will Barton's gonna come make us come back in this game. And that's what the commentator said in the in this broadcast is like, oh, just give Will Barton the ball and he'll he'll bring them back. I'm just like seriously, who would have thought at the beginning of the series that's the guy that we're talking about to bring them back in a game.
1: Yeah, and that was the because the Suns did everything we expected, like they were gonna totally outmatch the, the Nuggets guards. And, you know, Compasso and Austin Rivers were going to be ineffective offensively. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker were going to eat offensively. And that all happened where it just fell apart, I feel like, was on Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon getting outplayed in every game by Michael Bridges and Jay Crowder. Which, again, like, if that was the case, I would have told you, yeah, Suns are going to sweep in four. I just I couldn't imagine that. Bridges would step up that way defensively and also offensively. Like, Bridges, I think, had a 15-point game, a 20-point game. Uh, game four – how many did he have in game four? Let me see.
2: He had 14 he, in game four. I am going to say, yeah, he, he – it was like a sneaky – like, it didn't seem like he made a lot of shots until the end of the game and you're like, dang, he scored 15 points. Like, it kind of yeah. just – it was – and it was like hustle plays what he was getting it. Like, he'd steal the ball or get – a second chance opportunity, which no one really expects because you have DeAndre Ayton and Jokic getting rebounds for the most part. But then you see Mikael Bridges just finding the ball and it back in. and That's what he does.
1: Yeah, and the Suns had like a true big four because I remember games one and two I talked about this. Like the Suns had all 4 of their their big four. So Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikael Bridges – all had 15 points, but no one had more than like 20, I think. And yes. then game, game, two, game one or game two, they all had 20, or all had, or three of them had 20, and one of them was just under 20. But they they all contributed. No one had more than like 25. And then it was Chris Paul and Devin Booker just going bonkers in game four, where like I said, Chris Paul had. 37 points Devin Booker had 34 like they they outscored I think the entire Nuggets starting lineup if, I'm, if I remember correctly I think yeah that's quite right. that entire lineup
2: yeah and I mean I when we play like that I really don't think there's a team at least in the Western Conference that can hang with us both offensively when those guys are hitting all their shots and then defensively we're making it difficult for them so I don't Think either the Jazz or the Clippers would have a chance if we're playing at that level. I mean, obviously we can't play at that level all the time. I yeah, was
1: like like both teams that. have better defensive guards than the Phoenix Suns, which yeah. I know. I mean, Chris. I mean, Devin Booker has. I don't think Devin Booker's had a bad game in the entire playoffs at this point. Like no, he's he, just he been unbelievable.
2: Yeah, he he really hasn't, and um like we match up well against the remaining teams. It seems like, obviously we, you mentioned before that the jazz are kind of like us, like maybe they're us just a little bit better or whatnot. And then Clippers, the only thing that would be a problem is who's going to guard Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, like Mikael Bridges is going to guard one of them. And then it just depends on who can guard the other guys. But then for the Clippers, who's going to guard the Andre because they went small ball against the jazz. And I guess that worked out for them in game three. So it just, it really depends on what the Clippers decide to do on what, how we, we approach the game. I think.
1: Yeah. And you know, maybe it's like Marcus Morris, but then Marcus Morris is a liability on offense. Cause he's been just terrible in the series uh, or terrible the entire playoffs, except for that one game seven, where he hit like five threes. He's just, he's been terrible offensively. And so, yeah, it, it makes it tough to match up with Aiton. Whereas like, Aiton, Aiton was contained pretty well for a bunch of the series. Like he was good with rebound. I think he averaged like a double double for the series. But uh, I, he was contained well. But also they could just make him the fourth option. Like Michael Bridges could go for fourteen or fifteen, and obviously Chris Paul and Devin Booker, no one can match up with them on the Denver Nuggets. So yeah, of course they were just going to go nuclear. But DeAndre Aiton could kind of be a, a backup piece basically through much of the series.
2: Yeah, and that's really what's great about our team is that we have guys that can score pretty much any time. Like, if someone's not doing well, the other guys pick it up. And, like, when we needed points, Mikel, not Mikel, sorry, Devin Booker and Chris Paul just seemed to be able to get us points when we really need them. And that's what happened today. Yeah.
1: And even after the Jokic injury or Jokic ejection, I was looking around like, okay, they, like Denver kept hitting like three pointers and a layup, and, and Will Barton was doing a bunch of it. I'm like, this is where they come back. This is where they come back. And every time it was just Chris Paul jumper, Chris Paul jumper, yeah. Devin Booker three pointer, Bridges hits a, a two pointer. Like it just every time they just kept hitting bucket after bucket after bucket. Even as Denver went on like 8-0 runs right before that, even after Jokic got ejected.
2: Yeah. And like, I remember I posted uh, on Instagram, I posted um, that Jokic was ready to go to Cancun when, when he got ejected. And then like Nuggets started creeping back up. And then people were commenting like, oh, you might've posted that prematurely. And I got a little nervous. I was like, crap, am I going to have to delete this post? Because I might've just ruined the game and Jokic will be back in game five. But then, like you mentioned, Devin Booker and Chris Paul just wouldn't let up. And every time it seemed like the Nuggets were getting momentum, they just matched it pretty much right away. So it was great.
1: How uh, Did you see the video of the Suns fan that fought someone at the crowd the other day? Or like beat up two Nuggets fans at once and then yes, held up the Suns was, in four?
2: That was so funny. Like he had one, he was like grabbing one by the neck and punching him occasionally. And then Suns in four and then punched him again. <laughs>
1: No, yeah, and then held up the Suns in four, and then all of a sudden they, um, at the end, I I can't remember if it was him or not, but they like panned to someone in the crowd who had a broom and held up the Suns in four, but it looked like the guy in the video, so I was like, there's no way the camera at the end found the guy who beat up a bunch of Denver Nuggets, which (laughs) I imagine he probably got banned from the stadium, so it probably wasn't him, but... Yeah. I just – it was just – it was perfect. It was and what made it even, perfect
2: juju for the Suns. Yes. And what made it even better is that the, the Nuggets fan tried to take a cheap shot at him while he wasn't looking, and he kind of missed, like grazed him. So then obviously the Suns fan's going to retaliate. And then while he's fighting, he thinks, oh, yeah, I should tell him Suns in four.
1: <laughs> so, you no, know, he held up a Suns in four, and it's just it's perfect. The yeah. sun when does this ever happen to the suns? Like it has not happened in my memorable lifetime that good things happen to the suns. Usually the suns are just people with goats in, in the office of the GM. Like it's it's unbelievable. And it happened so fast that I like, didn't even have time to blink before the Phoenix suns are like, Oh, they're going to go to the NBA finals. And it's, I mean, I mean, I don't want to be premature about it, but, it's crazy how fast that turned around with just you know a bunch of guys who this is their first playoff run, and here they are getting ready to go to the finals against a Utah or a Clipper team that's, like you said, it's they're beatable.
2: They're yeah. definitely beatable. The, the one team that I thought wasn't beatable were the Lakers, <laughs> and obviously we got rid of them first round, so we don't really have – once we beat them, it just felt like everything was falling into our, our favor, and we just have – we can just do whatever we want. And it's just, we can play basketball freely. We can have fun with it because we feel, at least I feel, that we are the best team remaining in the West after we beat the Lakers. So there's really nothing that can stop us as to how it, it felt once we beat the Lakers. And yeah, obviously, it, we beat the next series and we sweep the team. So it's like, I guess I was right. Like, no one really can beat us.
1: Yeah, and you guys have gone now to like an eight deep rotation with like Cam Johnson as the the sixth man and Sarich comes in now and then. But it's guys playing a lot of minutes and that's kinda like we were talking about this just before you came on about the Bucs. Like they needed to adjust and play a, a shorter roster. And the Suns kind of did that because they were getting this offensive production from those those big four guys in every single game of the series. Part of that being like match up well against the Nuggets, but they were doing it to and match up well because the Lakers don't play defense without Anthony yeah. Davis. But it, it, I mean, it was when you get that production from all four every single night, you can shorten the roster and win seven games in a row like they have in the playoffs. Which you know it harkens back to the bubble where they were just dominating everyone for the yeah that's sort what of, it really like eight games.
2: And like all we need now is just eight, eight wins. That's that's all that's on my mind right now is eight wins. And I mean, we did that. We went eight. No. So I don't have any, any doubts that we can win eight. It's just a matter of if we do it. I mean, I, I think the players know that they can, we feel like we can, they just got to go out and do it. I don't
1: know. I don't know if you have opinions on rest versus rust. Cause I, I don't, I don't love the conversation as much. Like, cause it's, I feel like it's not a – like some people are are well-rested. Some people are rusty. It's all – it's whichever one happens in game one is usually what the answer is there. But you guys can – I saw it after the game. You guys can have up to nine days off from this point going forward before the first game of the Western Conference Finals.
2: And, I mean, I definitely think it's beneficial for Chris Paul to get that break, that long break, and make sure his shoulder is 100%, even though it seemed like it was tonight. But – like the younger guys, I don't know how they'll deal with it. Cause I mean they're they they're used to just playing pretty much every game of the season and just going going with the flow. They don't get get a lot of breaks. So I I don't know how it's gonna go. Hopefully I mean I'm sure they'll figure it out. Monty will make sure that they're still in shape and whatnot. So hopefully they we come out well rested and not rusty. So it's really I am a bit worried about the, the rustiness, but if we play like the, the jet, I mean jazz or clippers, I think that they would would enjoy the rest. I mean, Kawhi Leonard loves a good rest, so I'm sure they're a bit envious that we get we will get the rest and not them. So if we pl- play the Clippers, I think we'll have a good chance of being well rested and them not being so well rested. Well that's a huge problem for the Clippers if
1: that series goes 7 games against the Utah Jazz because the Clippers just went 7 against Dallas so that would mean they would play what 10 basketball games in 19 days after yeah. after finishing that last series against Dallas and having that go long. So and then they would have to they would get 2 days off and jump right into the Western Conference Finals.
2: Yeah and we know how much they love to rest their players i mean yeah because kawhi has got
1: kawhi has got bulky knees like <laughs> Kawhi know, Leonard it, has whatever tendonitis in his knees that have really like keep him out of games a lot and paul yes. george has had shoulder stuff but he looks okay yes. in these playoffs
2: yeah if, if they want to do some load management game one of the western conference finals i wouldn't mind so go ahead and take your rest and game one game two of the western conference finals if you want we'll, we'll go up to nothing if you want
1: yeah, yeah, that's uh, that seems to be the the motto for the Clippers is go up two zero and then we're gonna we're gonna just start we're gonna start trying a little harder once it gets to two zero and Kawhi's is yeah. gonna go bonkers and Paul George's gonna give you a twenty point first half to seal the deal against the Jazz. I'm so interested to see how that game four goes too because you know it's harder it's hard enough to come back from 3-1 but utah with their their crazy fast-paced offense even without mike conley that's the other thing utah doesn't have mike conley right now but that fast-paced offense with utah or no i'm sorry not fast-paced that three-point offense with utah might be difficult to win three in a row on because they it's hard for all of them to shoot poorly because they all shoot like 38 percent from three all six of them not rudy
2: gobert yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to watch the <laughs> remainder of the of that series because I mean, there's nothing else really to do as a Suns fan. Just wait, and hopefully, I mean, nine days without basketball is kind of disappointing, but obviously, it's for a good cause, so it's it's all good.
1: <laughs> how how are you going to try and get into some of these playoff games, these Western Conference Finals games in Phoenix?
2: I'm I definitely have to. I've always said um like i don't care where i'm at what's happening or anything like that i want to go to a playoff game when we make it and i still haven't gone unfortunately um but i need to find a way into one of the western Conference finals games and depending on how that goes maybe i'll go to a final game if, if we make it so that'd be crazy i, I can't yeah. imagine going to a finals game in phoenix i never would have thought that
1: <laughs> imagine thinking it covering the team like you were covering these terrible 20 win teams and number one pick in the draft and lottery ping pong balls like you are covering some truly terrible teams and the fact that it happened so quick is like wow I know this is already happening
2: it sucked It sucked. like I'm not gonna lie like four years ago is when I started my page and like the first two years I was like there's no point of doing this I I'm not enjoying this we we suck I don't really want to watch the games anymore but I mean I kept going and here we are and now I'm lucky enough to (laughs) Have gone far enough that you let me join your podcast every once in a while.
1: Yeah, it's easier. It's easier when we have uh, have real Suns content to talk about because now, now you guys genuinely matter. Like before, it was like we can try to mix Suns talk every now and then, and the bubble was like, oh my gosh, they're the crazy storyline right now of sports. Now, Phoenix, Phoenix is legit, <laughs> and I, I even though they were the two seed coming in, I know everyone made the joke about the Suns are congrats to them for being the first two seed to ever pull an upset in the first round. But <laughs> yeah. even I, even I didn't think it would happen this fast where not only they clinched, they clinched on a seven game win streak against the Lakers and the Nuggets. And they're the first team into the second round by like a, or I'm the first team in the Western conference finals by like a significant margin. None of these other series are close to being done.
2: I know and that's that's actually crazy that that you mentioned that like we're the first team out of everyone in the league to be in the conference finals and it doesn't seem I mean Sixers seem the most likely to get there next um but yeah in the Western Conference you, you could go either way really
1: like I'm thinking about like that dominant Milwaukee team from a couple years ago like they absolutely pummeled Boston in the second round of the playoffs and even that took five games like it you have to be like really good at this stage of the playoffs to sweep teams out or be a really good matchup, which I think that the Suns were kind of both, but it's it's unbelievable how dominant the Suns have been when we haven't even seen them make the playoffs in a decade. And we haven't seen this current version of the team together apart from, you know, 60, 50, 60 games in the regular season, which, you know, not everyone was tuning into. I know I caught a few of them, but, I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Paul just makes the offense run, and it's something that I wasn't ready for even coming out of the bubble last year.
2: Yeah, and as you mentioned, Chris Paul deserves all the credit for this because, I mean, Ricky Rubio, obviously not on the same level, but he had the, pretty much the same team, and we we didn't make the playoffs even. So Chris Paul just can't, comes in with all these weapons, and he knows how to use them. And it's it's really great to see what he's able to do at this age with this team And lead these guys, which we clearly needed a leader. He was perfect for us.
1: Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable. So uh, we're gonna have lots more conversations in the next week. But you got a whole week off. You can you can take a vacation to Cancun and come back in seven days and be all good (laughs) to go.
2: Yeah, I'm sure I'll see Jokic down there. So that's yeah. You
1: can you can ride the jet skis and uh, hang out. Like uh, I forgot who was. I think that was like the Orlando Magic back in the nineties. They said like. They like, when Houston was playing a seven-game series and they swept, you know, the Pacers, I want to say, in the conference finals and they were, like, riding jet skis and Akeem and, and a- 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 Olajuwon was, like, pissed because he was watching them ride jet skis in Orlando. Like, y'all can ride that's the funny. jet skis for, like, seven days.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone, I'm sure they'll get, like, two or three days off just to go do whatever they want. So, that's great.
1: Yeah. That's going to be super fun for Phoenix and the Suns have a home playoff game. If it's the Clippers, you get a home playoff game right off the bat. I know that's going to be rocking in Phoenix if they get a oh. game one at home.
2: Yeah, it is. And then if, if we make it to the finals, we should, I mean, depending on, on who we play, getting a, a game one, game two in Phoenix would be nuts as well.
1: Yeah, that would be just out of this world for the Suns because it it suns have been terrible for a long time. And I know from being a small market team with the, the Padres and, you know, now living in Sacramento with the Kings, like it just means more when you go through the suffering and you go through the losing as a fan base and you don't get the successes often. It just, it means more when you actually get to see the success. And that's why it's super cool for Phoenix
0: right now.
2: Yeah, it really is. And I get like direct messages saying just how long it's been and how They grew up fans of the team, and everything. It's just awesome for the whole community, really. Yeah, it's super cool. It's super cool. So,
1: thank you again for coming on. Um, And this is we did this post game after the game four sweep. So he's staying up late with me, sort of, semi late. It's like nine o'clock, but yeah, uh, we're we're hanging out here post game Nuggets and Phoenix Suns as a. you know, we didn't even get to talk about the series before it was even over. Like it was like six days and the series was over.
2: <laughs> yeah. It went by really fast.
1: Yeah. So until we speak again, good luck to your Phoenix sons and uh, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the rest of this jazz Clippers series for the next few days and overthink who yeah. you're going to play in the next round. When, as we found out with me in this series, we just have no idea what we're seeing. Like just yeah. totally missed on the Michael Porter jr. Aaron Gordon stuff. Like, Bridges and and Crowder and Devin Booker just totally outplayed the entire Nuggets team. And it was weird to see. And then, oh, it doesn't hurt that Chris Paul hit 10 consecutive shots in game four.
2: (laughs) I I never thought I'd see that.
1: Yeah. I don't think I did either (laughs) when Chris Paul was on the Houston Rockets at, you know, 35, 34. I didn't think he'd get to this point where he is the leader. Maybe not the best player. I think Devin Booker's the best player, but the, the, the de facto leader of the Phoenix suns who, you know, changes every knows what to do and changes everything changes the math on the, you know, how good that team can be.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for, for letting me talk. I, I would love, I just love to talk about the Suns, especially after we win just whatever comes to my mind, really. I just yes. want to say it. So I'm glad you're here to listen to that. So thank you again. Yes.
1: Hashtag rally the Valley.
2: Yep. Your favorite.
1: Yes. Rally the Vow. Big time. Thanks to our friend house of Phoenix suns. I really love talking to him every time that he joins us. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to him. And like I said, at the end, like the suns didn't even give us a chance to talk about the series before they just totally ran through everyone. So Congratulations to those boys down in Phoenix. Uh, it was a nice little uh, nice little sweep there. And like I said, I had the series going seven, so definitely, definitely a miss on that one. Uh, I want to finish off the podcast in a little bit of a different direction here because uh, I'm not much of a music snob, but I want to talk a little bit about music here because ever since I was a junior in high school, I have consistently said, and by the way, I like, I know we, we make fun of Drake a lot, but Drake is uh, definitely the generation defining artist that I grew up with. And I've got like 50 of his songs in my playlist going from like 2008 to like 2021. And that's just like, I, am kind of all over the place on music. Like I'll, I'll dip in from Drake to Bruno Mars all the way down to like nineties punk rock and chili peppers and, some even like 70s soul with Stevie Wonder. Like I will dip in all over the place on music. But what I was going for with that before was when I was a junior in high school, there was one album I was waiting for for the longest time. And it was Culture 3 by Migos. And basically without me paying attention, because I'm not like super well-versed in the music world, but without me even realizing it, Migos dropped Culture 3 on Friday and I spent the whole weekend just little pieces by pieces listening to every song in the album and I never do this like I know it's a more normal thing but usually the way I'll go through albums is like pick out the most popular songs listen to them and usually add them to my playlist and then maybe I'll pick and choose a couple more if it seems interesting just based on title or the first 10 seconds of the song like I'll play the song skip 40 seconds in and see if it's any good like give it give it like a five second test on songs that aren't as popular but I spent like two hours going through the entire playlist just little by little by little and listening to culture three and I have to say culture three for all the expectations I had for it across three years just did not disappoint not even a little and it, you know as me a certified Mahomi. You're going to tell me that they're going to have a song titled Mahomes. It's the first song. I, it's like 15th on the playlist is the first one I listened to. It's my favorite song of the whole album. Huncho the Chief, Send It Deep to Mahomes. And it is a great song. And I hope I didn't just mess up that lyric. I just realized right now I might have just messed it up. Uh, send it back to Mahomes, not send it deep to Mahomes. Um, but anyways, Patrick Mahomes like retweeted it, and they got his own song. Anyways, uh, that song was excellent. Birthday was a great song in the album. I've I've went through all of them. Justin Bieber one, what you see, wasn't quite done it doing it for me, and uh a lot of people kind of said similar things about the song. They weren't exactly into it. Neither did Anti Social. Like people. Some people were big into it's not I mean I have I've listened to Juice World before Rest in Peace, but it that one didn't do it for me. And a lot for a lot of people it did do it. So was it wasn't quite my beat. Um but also you know I, I kind of went deeper into this one and found the songs that I definitely was feeling different on. Obviously the one with Drake, um, what's it called? Damn, I forgot the name. Uh oh, uh Sorry. Uh, th- wow, this is this is bad. Can I edit this out having our way? Sorry, <laughs> I forgot about that, but uh, I wish now I could edit that out. But anyways, that one, of course, was awesome. Malibu with Polo G. That one was a great song. Um, Roadrunner vaccine. Both of those I added to the playlist. Um, Modern Day, that one was great. Future hopped on one of them. That one was really good. I think it's called Picasso. I think um, that song was great um and then we got further down the list there were some there were some that weren't all that great like jane was all right not not like one that i'd add again handle my business not quite for me time for me that was funny i did it not intentionally handle my business time for me nah uh light it up actually no i haven't i haven't given it lightened up yet and uh Last one was Need It. I haven't so I haven't gotten to eighteen or nineteen yet. Maybe by the maybe I could have paused this podcast and listened to the last two and given y'all the synopsis on that. But we went through 17 songs here. Culture three, excellent. A plus album. I've been waiting on it for three years and boy, it did not disappoint. So I had to I had to give some opinions on Culture Three by Migos real quick, right at the end there, because it was F- fire ass album and one i'd been waiting for since i was a junior in high school since i went through culture two and, and you know he yeah, has stir fry which is obviously the big famous one but whip it into mission let the birds fly prr, i get money tunnel visions through my third eye money that song was great um bbo was awesome and and so after going through Culture two, I was just waiting, waiting, waiting for culture three. And you had like song like singles pop up every now and then. Like they they hopped on um, what was it, Slide with with Frank Ocean. Um I was just waiting and waiting to see if they would, you know, finally get one together. Obviously Quavo dropped his own album and Offset dropped an album in there, which, you know, Offset's album wasn't great. I'm I guess I, I will listen to Quavo by himself more so, but you know, the, the album was all right. And um, I'd I'd say like five out of 10. And I, again, I'm not really like someone who ever goes lower than like three. I'm, I'm, I'm very generous on talks like that. Like if I'm talking about how my day is, I judge like a dunk contest. Usually doesn't fall much farther than a six. And a lot of that has to do with like mental health and the fact that I consider myself to be mentally healthy. And I have certain privileges around that, that other people don't in my days, usually begin with a smile. Like I, I don't wake up and dread going through the day. Um, so I'm blessed with that gift of being mentally healthy and it allows me to grade things like albums, movies. On a one to 10 scale, I'm like a dunk contest. Very rarely do I ever go lower than a six. But I do I do think Quavo's album was about a five. You know, it's all right. I, I didn't add any songs to it. It went through, you know, the most popular ones. Um, But I was really ready for them to hop together Or I'm sorry, not hop together, hop on the track and get together and make culture three. They waited an extra year was supposed to drop in 2020, but they ended up waiting until June of 2021 to drop it, which, you know, I think it only made it better over time. So a little music snobbery right there. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as wired up on Sundays, make sure to follow, leave a five star review doesn't have to be a nice review, just has to be a five star review. Please don't leave anything less than that. I am inclined to believe you are a hater. If you leave anything less than a five star rating, also download some episodes as well. Even older episodes, the downloads are big just in messing with algorithms, uh, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Overcast, Google Podcast, Beaker, wherever it is that you get podcasts, or if you're listening here on the Anchor app. By the way, let's hear a quick message from those good people over at Anchor. Take it easy, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.